as you may know, if you follow me through the various shifts across this radio station, I think I've been on all of them this summer. Well, I don't think it. I know I have. Uh, and you've heard me talk um, fairly often about the issue of where we are with NAFTA and where we are with free trade generally and how negotiations are going or aren't going with Washington and the things that uh, President Trump tweets now and then, and he did again this weekend uh, with an implicit threat about our auto industry, um, and, and uh, wondering whether we're going to get to a point where we have a crisis, because it would be a crisis, where suddenly we've got a 25% tariff imposed on the automobiles that we make, which are 95% sold to the United States. I wonder about that. And um, I'm not an expert in international trade, never going to be, but Mark Warner is, and I'm fortunate, again, to have him join us. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are you? I am fine, and uh, I'm very interested to get up to date. You know, uh, yesterday, you'd be aware of this, the... um, the Trump administration doesn't have any legal authority uh, to um, to take Canada out and sign a bilateral deal with Mexico, according to uh, Quebec's chief NAFTA negotiator. He's a former finance minister, and he says, no worries whatsoever. The current one-on-one talks between the United States and Mexico will end in a trade deal signed without Canada. It's not going to happen. Is that true? Does it make you feel better to hear that? No. I don't, I, in, fa- in fact, it comes from Quebec, so I, I put my tongue in my cheek and I say, this can't be. They can do whatever the hell they want. The truth of the matter is, Peter, is that there are a lot of technical, legal um, questions in all of this stuff. And even among, if you've got a room full of American lawyers, we'd all argue about this. I, I'm both an American lawyer and a Canadian lawyer. But what I find that what's happening in this round of NAFTA is it's happening not just with Quebec, but with the government of Canada and a lot of you know, columnists and spokespeople, everyone's going to, let's say, the 10% or the 20% legal view and declaring that as the dominant view. So I would say that, it, it, I would say that there's, you could make a plausible argument that way, but I don't think you'd want to base your negotiation. If you're, if you're, if you're holding a, a hard-line position at the negotiating table because you think that's your ace, that's your get-out-of-jail-card-free, um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's, not, that's not the best card to be holding because I would say you, you could certainly come up with an interpretation that the fast-track authority or the, the, the authority that Congress has given the president to negotiate NAFTA, it's not clear what NAFTA really means. Could you split it into two, into two separate ways? Um, if that's the will of Congress and the will of the president, I don't think the fast-track, what they call trade promotion authority, would really get in the way of that. Um, and I don't know where Canada would go to litigate that if that's the will of Congress and the president. And so far, the Republicans in Congress have not really, on any issue, been really willing to challenge um, President Trump. There are a few senators who are retiring and who aren't running again who are willing to do that. And there's even less of a will to challenge President Trump in the House of Representatives. So I would say to the uh, Quebec finance minister, probably stick to finance. Okay, so we've dispensed with that. Let's go to the the reality of the situation, as they say, on the ground. Uh, if we look at the last couple of days, the last tweet that I remember seeing on this subject from Trump was uh, over the weekend, so four days ago, and he said something like, uh, trade negotiations with Mexico are going very smoothly, very happy with that. Um, no Canada involved, and Canada should... Uh, I can't remember what the words were, but words to the effect of get its ducks in order because um, I I might put tariffs on your cars. I think it said something like that. You would know better than I. Where do we stand really? Well, I think what's happening in the the first instance, Mexico and the United States are trying to see if they can hammer out an agreement on autos. 
And, you know, there's a, there's a legitimate argument that Canada doesn't really need to be there for the most part. And the reason is twofold. One is, you know, we're a high-wage jurisdiction. We are actually at even higher-wage jurisdiction uh, uh, than the United States. I mean, that came up to me when I was back in my Ontario government days when we were doing the auto bailout and the legal work, legal agreements for that. So to the extent that the Americans are protecting high-wage, you know, high-wage people, then they're going to essentially be protecting us. But, but not as much. But so we don't need to get the table for that. And secondly, a lot of our auto parts makers are, are you know, the Magnas and the um, and those and the Linamars and that sort of thing. They're actually in Mexico. And to the extent that the Mexicans are protecting the auto parts, you know, manufacturers in Mexico, the, our interest in that part of the industry is sort of being protected. The real fear for Canada, I think, is that if the Mexicans and the United States actually start talking about things other than autos. And they sort of say, you know, that, uh, that the issue that we've talked about several times, Peter, the, um, the, uh, the issue of the, um, uh, what's it Sup- called again? Supply management? No, dairy? Well, supply management. Not, not much dairy, but the, um, oh, you know, the, not the termination clause, the, uh, the sunset clause. The sunset, the sunset clause, clause right. Maybe, yeah. So if for some reason Mexico decides we've got everything we want on autos and Trump's agreeing not to, you know, you know, beat us over the head anymore, you know, we've got some language that will work for us on the sunset clause. And if, if, if there are like five or six or, you know, issues like that, investor state or whatever, and they come back to the table with a fed accompli to Canada, what then does Canada do? Say, oh, no, we'd like to reopen everything to include us because we weren't at the table. I think that's the question when it's not clear what would Mexico do. Would Mexico say, Justin, we love you so much that we actually want to reopen the negotiations that we just hammered out with the United States? Or would both of those countries at that point say, Canada, you've got that other Canada-U.S. free trade agreement. Why don't you go back to that? We've got our agreement with the United States, and we're going to go forward with that. So that's the threat. And I guess it's what we're doing is we're betting, this I think is really what the government of Canada is doing, it's betting that the Americans and the Mexicans cannot come to an agreement on autos or on anything else. And so when they actually do come back to negotiate a week or two weeks from now, Canada will step right back in and it will be a tripartite negotiation. So we're making a lot of bets here at the table, it seems to be. It also it seems to me that we're going to wind up, if you're right, back in a negotiation where if uh, if our representatives continue to take the, the kind of stance that they took before, that we're playing with fire. Well, we are, because, you know, Trump is a guy who likes leverage. I mean, we know that. We know that across the board, from his business interactions, from the way he got the, you know, his party uh, nomination. And so if we, there's no progress on NAFTA, you know, he has threatened those auto tariffs. And, you know, again, there are tons of legal issues about whether he can do that in terms of the World Trade Organization rules and even existing NAFTA rules, Trump's not really constrained by rules. So he has the authority as President of the United States under, uh, to, under, uh, to sort of impose these national security tariffs unless Congress takes that authority back from him. And if, I think he's the kind of guy he's shown us that if he doesn't, get the, he doesn't see the movement on NAFTA that he's looking for, that we may very well see those um, national security tariffs. And then we're left in the position of hoping that Congress fights him or that there's some litigation the automakers you know the, the big three the detroit three gets their way into an american court to fight it but uh, that's i think where we're going so i mean the strategy to the extent it is one of saying you know he doesn't have the authority to do what he wants to do he can't do it under the wto republicans will say but it's, it's kind of a very passive approach right it's not actually getting in there and saying as the europeans did a few weeks ago what can we give this man so he stops looking at us 
And yeah. that, that just does not give me comfort. And there are many, many, too many ifs in this thing to make me happy, Mark. I have no doubt we'll be speaking again. Okay, well, thanks any time. Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate your uh, insight and your expertise. That's Mark Warner, well-known uh, lawyer, but uh, specializing in international trade and, by the way, capable of practicing on either side of the border, so he knows that file. Thank you to Mark Warner, and um, you're listening to Global News Radio 640 Toronto.